You're listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network, where we offer you podcasts of the supernatural and the unexplained. Get ready now for Shades of the Afterlife with Sandra Champlain. The thoughts and opinions expressed by the host are thoughts and opinions only and do not necessarily reflect those of iHeartMedia, iHeartRadio, Coast to Coast AM, employees of Premier Networks or their sponsors and associates. You are encouraged to do the proper amount of research yourself, depending on the subject matter and your needs. Hi, I'm Sandra Champlain. For almost 25 years, I've been on a journey to prove the existence of life after death. On each episode, we'll discuss the reasons we now know that our loved ones have survived physical death. And so will we. Welcome to Shades of the Afterlife. Are you a person like me who's interested in genealogy, finding and tracing your roots? I often think about the lineage of people that came before me who made my life possible. It is said by many that our ancestors all walk beside us, supporting us on our earthly journey. Today, I'd like to introduce you to Sharon Carmack, who's been a certified genealogist for over 30 years. She's also a medium. She's written 24 books and hundreds of articles about genealogy, and she's the United States representative for the Spiritualist National Union International, also called SNUI. Her latest book is titled In Search of Maria B. Hayden, M.D., The American Medium Who Brought Spiritualism to the U.K., she also helps people write nonfiction books. So you can visit her websites, nonfictionhelp.com or pathwaysup.com. Welcome, Sharon. Thank you, Sandra. I'm so happy to be here. And we're very happy you're here. And Sharon, before we get started finding out about you, could you tell us a little bit about the SNUI? Because you're the American representative, you do an awful lot, and we're grateful. And that's snui.org.uk. Oh, I would be happy to. Um, The Spiritualist National Union International is the international branch of the Spiritualist National Union, which is based out of the UK. And they began the international branch, obviously, to include members from all over the world, because not all of us, including myself, have a spiritualist church or development circles in our area. So through SNUI, you're able to participate. They have daily classes, daily circles, daily spiritualist services, and you're able to participate in all of those for a whole year. You have access to all these daily classes and circles and services. It's it's the best bargain in town. Yeah, it's only 25 pounds, which equals about 35 U.S. dollars. And it's such a, a blessing. You participate online with people from all over the world, and it's just, I, I can't speak highly enough about it. I just love SNUI. I agree. And I know for myself, I've taken some courses, learned a lot, and also I've participated on the online spiritual services. And I remember one time the medium told me that my dad was with me when I was picking up dandelions and blowing them, making wishes. And just the day before I'd gone for a walk and I saw a bunch of dandelions and just being a kid, I picked them and started blowing them and then making wishes. And another time, a woman brought through my grandmother, and I had never met this woman, and she said that your grandmother had passed in a car accident and had her son in the back seat. And that is such true information. It was my mom's mom, and that's exactly what happened. So I can't say enough good things about snui.org.uk and like we said, the price is so reasonable. So it's awesome. It is. And let me just add, you do not have to be a spiritualist. Spiritualism is a religion. Um, but you do not have to be a spiritualist spiritualist to join SNUI. You also don't have to be a medium 
You can join and just sit in on the services or the circles. You don't have to participate and be the recipient because we need recipients too for our demonstrations of survival. That's what we call it is a demonstration of survival because that is the core of the religion of spiritualism is that we demonstrate that our spirits, our souls, our consciousness does survive physical death. And that's the foundation of the religion of spiritualism. Mm, Thank you so much for that. Mm -hmm. So thanks. So now let's talk a little bit more about you. Okay. How do we even begin? Um, There's so much we're going to, I think we're going to talk about as far as genealogy and and mediumship Uh and things, but maybe a little bit about you. Did you get involved in genealogy first? How did you get into mediumship? I mean, is that something you were born with? We're always looking for reasons to believe life after death is real. Right. Where does it start? I had absolutely no paranormal experiences, shall we say, until my late 50s when my mother passed over. I always have believed in the afterlife. And I think part of that is uh, because I got involved in genealogy very young. I was about 10 when I met my first genealogist in a cemetery. And family friends of ours knew that I was interested in ghosties and ghoulies and things that go bump Mm -hmm. in the um, I don't know if you remember the the uh, daytime soap opera Dark Shadows. Yes. Uh, but I was just hooked on that. And, and that's actually the show that introduced me to genealogy because on that show they would go back in time and talk about, uh, you know, visit the ancestors or, you know, ancestors played a, a big role in that show. So when I was about 10, we were living in Southern California and we had gone back east to visit family and some friends of ours knew that I was interested in that sort of thing. So they took me to an old cemetery to look at the old headstones. And there was a an older gentleman there who was copying down the tombstones, what we would call a cemetery project, where a genealogist copies down all the tombstones. Back in the day, we published them. Now we put them online. And he explained to me about genealogy. This was in the days where you could invite a strange man in the cemetery home. Yes. <laughs> Today you wouldn't do that. No. (laughs) And so my friends invited him back to the house and he explained what he was doing. He explained about doing family history research. He gave me my first pedigree chart and family group sheet and told me to interview relatives and how to get started. And so from that point on, the dead didn't haunt me, but I haunted them. And, and and so I made a career of it um, in my early 30s, late 20s, early 30s. I'm now 60, so it's been half my life wow. that I've been a professional genealogist. And I've been haunting the dead ever since. And then about two or three years ago, they started talking back to me. And that's when I started investigating mediumship and wondering okay, at this age, at like 57, can I become a medium? Because I always thought, you know, you had to be born with this. And maybe I was, and they were just waiting for the right time. You know, it's kind of like nature versus nurture. You know, it's, are you born a medium or can you become a medium? Right. I think we're all born with the, the ability, whether or not we choose to recognize it or develop it is something else. I hear so many stories of other mediums who had childhood experiences, and they were either very traumatizing or they felt they were unusual because they had these experiences and other people didn't. And I really think spirit gave me a socially acceptable outlet to talk to the dead through genealogy Hmm. until I was ready for it and the world was ready for me. It's really nice to know you can be any age and start this. Absolutely. Being a genealogist, I think I have been guided all along, either by my ancestors or my clients' ancestors, without really being aware of it. And in fact, a colleague of mine wrote two books called Psychic Roots, and he was also having experiences from his genealogical research, having dreams where ancestors would tell him where to look for them. And 
he wondered if other genealogists were also having these experiences. So he sent out a questionnaire to a whole bunch of us. And the first book, he just got an overwhelming response. And then the second book, he got double the responses from genealogists who would share their stories of being guided by their ancestors. You know, they would go into a library and and either a book would just fall off the shelf and their ancestor would be in it, or they would pull a book off the shelf and just open the book randomly and there's their ancestor on the page. Wow. Or they're scrolling through microfilm and they just happen to stop the microfilm at a particular point and there's their ancestor. I mean, the two books are just filled with it and they're called Psychic Roots. Okay. And I highly recommend them. Very entertaining and really leave no doubt that our ancestors want us to find them, or at least most of our ancestors want us to find them. So anyway, I really feel that mediumship and genealogy go hand in hand. And I just feel like my whole life as a genealogist has been leading me toward this next level of communicating with ancestors and people's loved ones. As a professional genealogist, my specialty is writing family histories. And when I write family histories, I don't write just the names, dates, and places. I put ancestors into historical context. My goal is to bring them back to life on the page, but in a non-fiction way. I don't fictionalize anything. Mm -hmm. I do a lot of what is called social history, which is researching the everyday lives of everyday people and put the ancestors into historical context and combining the paper trail that we have of the ancestor with the social history and the historical context that gives us such a bigger picture of what our ancestors' lives were like. And I've been doing that almost my whole genealogical career. And so telling the dead, telling their stories, keeping them alive, I really feel has been driven by our ancestors who want to be remembered. And I also feel that it's a healing process, both for the living and the dead, to do genealogy as well as to do mediumship. Yeah, I think it's just fascinating. The last, oh, several months we've been watching Finding Your Roots on TV. I've done the Ancestry.com DNA tests, and it's really interesting to find out a lot about people that walked before us that made us who we are today. Yeah. Once you get involved in genealogy, if you start asking around, you find that there's usually only one, maybe two people in the family who are really drawn to genealogy. The rest, it's like, oh, they could either care less or it's like, okay, I want to hear about it, but I don't want to do the research. But there's just one person who just feels so drawn to this, has such a passion for it. And I think it's because our ancestors are there with us and they want their stories told. We need to take a short break and then we'll be back with Sharon Carmack. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Don't go anywhere. There's more Shades of the Afterlife coming right up. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger, talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com shades today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot shades. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. 
In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s. She looked like a million bucks. With zero qualifications. She had a Harvard plaque tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. That this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately $11 million. Nearly $10 million was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Younger looks in minutes? It's real with Instantly Ageless from HealthyLooking.com. This velvety micro cream applied to areas on the face immediately diminishes visible signs of aging. Great for bags under the eyes, forehead wrinkles, saggy eyebrows, crow's feet, and facial pores. Now look your beautiful best in less than two minutes with Instantly Ageless. And it works great for women and men. Here's what happened when they tried Instantly Ageless on the doctors. But I want you all to imagine a cream that can instantly remove your under eye bags. We're going to put it to the test with our good friend, Dr. Sonia Batra. So what what is this product? So this is a product we're going to see if it works. It's called Instantly Ageless. And the idea is that it works very quickly. You just need a very small amount. And then you apply it to areas where you might be a little bit puffy. I have just looked at what's in this product and I've looked at the ingredients. And one of them is something called Argyroline, which is sort of a darling in dermatology right now. It's a peptide or a protein that actually relaxes is the muscle. It's also called Botox in a bottle. It's meant to relax muscle and work like Botox. I mean, you can literally see it working but, as you're yeah. putting it on. Yeah. The other active ingredient in this is silicates, which are almost act like a clay. They're minerals, and they're making the skin sort of tighter. It's actually increasing the surface tension on the skin to push that herniated fat pad back. Order yours today at HealthyLooking.com or by phone at 800-604-3129. 800-604-3129. Our starter kit is only $19.99, including shipping. And the full-size box has now been discounted substantially as well. Put your best face forward instantly with Instantly Ageless from HealthyLooking.com. That's HealthyLooking.com. And now back to Sandra Champlain and Shades of the Afterlife. Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain, and we are with Sharon Carmack, who's a genealogist and a medium. Sharon, now how did you step into mediumship? Okay, well, that came about when my mother crossed over a few years ago, and I started getting what I felt were signs from her. The one sign that really was significant for me was a cousin of mine had sent a floral arrangement of lilies for her memorial service. And there was one big lily that had not opened yet. And 
I kept the flower. You know, my mother had passed in Colorado. We came home to Utah. I brought the flowers home with me. And I wondered whether that flower would ever open because I, I wasn't really a flower person at that time. So I didn't know whether that bud would open or not. So it was interesting because my mother's didn't get cremated right away because the doctor went out of town. And so we had to wait for the doctor to sign the death certificate for her body to be able to be cremated. So then the cremains had to be shipped to me here in Utah. That flower did not open until it was the day I got the word that her body went for cremation, that that flower opened. Hmm. And then the day that her cremains arrived, the last petal of that lily fell off. And so, you know, I know skeptics would say, oh, that's just a coincidence or whatever, but I don't believe in coincidences. And there were other things like on the anniversary of what would have been her 80th birthday, I was talking to her and, and saying, can you give me a sign? Can you let me know you're here? And I had a candle there. I said, you know, can you blow out the candle? And I'll tell you, if I could have willed it out, that candle would have been blown out. But nothing happened. Absolutely nothing happened. I thought, okay, that's it. The flower thing, you know, just a coincidence. Right. I come downstairs to get started making dinner, and I have some artificial flowers that are on top of my um, cabinets. Mm -hmm. And I had my back turned, and those flowers not only fell over, but jumped the refrigerator, which extends quite a ways outside of the cabinet, and went a few feet to fall at my feet. And those flowers have never fallen. It was like, why did they fall then, when I had asked her for a sign? My jaw is to the ground right now. I know. So it's just amazing. And then she's given me others. She likes to knock things over. I keep saying, why can't you clean the house? (laughs) Why do you have to knock things over? (laughs) I'll leave the vacuum cleaner out for you. I know spirits like to work with electricity. You can vacuum. (laughs) You're funny. (laughs) But but she does. She'll knock things over and let me know that she's here. And And it's always when it's not just random. It's always when I've asked her for a sign. Hmm, that's a good tip. Ask for signs. Yeah, and then something in the house will mysteriously, that's secure, that's never fallen before, like my shower head. (laughs) My shower head fell down. (laughs) That's what she does. So anyway, so at that point, that's when I thought, okay, can anyone become a medium? Mm -hmm. And so I started studying. I, I got your book. I got as many books as I could find on the topic of the afterlife and mediumship and became hooked. I searched and searched and searched for a local circle being here in Salt Lake City, Utah, which is very heavily LDS, which I want to talk about that in just a moment. Okay. I couldn't find anything. I looked for two years before I found a circle. And how I found a circle is I went to Florida to visit my father and visited the Casadega spiritualist camp. Yes. And while I was there, I took some development classes, and one of the instructors told me about Simon James and Brian Robertson, who are tutors at the Arthur Finley College, who were coincidentally, quote-unquote, coming to Utah that September. This was in February. They were coming that September to do a four-day intensive workshop. Wow. And th- that I found a local circle and now I have my own circle that I run because that one was in Park City, Utah and this one is in Salt Lake City. Could you just mention quickly, Sharon, what a circle means? Okay, a circle is the old-fashioned term. We still use it for people who sit for development and they usually sit in a circle. That's how it became called a circle. And in the Victorian times, people would sit when physical mediumship was very prominent, that is table tipping. People would sit around a table and just gently rest their hands on the table so the spirits could table tip and they would work out a code yes or no by how many times the table would tip or knocks on the wall that's considered physical mediumship and so they would sit for development and try to connect with the spirit world at the time there usually was only one medium who was sitting for development at a time nowadays everybody wants to be a medium and so everybody in the circle 
people is usually there to develop their own mediumship. Sharon, I really like that on the SNUI's website, there's so much education about this. And I used to think that all of this is new age, but I don't anymore. To find out there's over a hundred year old religion that's based on this, based on the afterlife, it's amazing. It's not new age. Right. New age actually began in the 1960s, 1970s, where you get a lot more psychics than you do mediums. Mm. And here, here's kind of just a, a history lesson overview. Okay. okay, so modern spiritualism dates back to 1848 with the Fox sisters. And the Fox sisters received raps on the wall in the house that they lived in and were able to work out an alphabet and uh, numbering system with the spirit person doing the raps. We call this the age of modern spiritualism because people have been communicating with spirits since the dawn of time. However, prior to the Fox sisters, people were communicating with higher realm beings, angels, God, you know, higher realm beings. The Fox sisters mark the first time that we had communication from an ordinary person and evidence that our souls, our consciousness does survive. So that's why that date of 1848 with the Fox sisters is so important. The other thing that's really significant about that is this is the time period where we see the first three American religions are started. All the other religions prior to that have been imported with immigrants coming from Europe, coming from England. But all of a sudden, we had spirit communication that sparked three American religions. The first was Mormonism or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Joseph Smith received spirit communication from an angel who was known as Moroni, and that's how they became known as the Mormons. Wow. And that predated the Fox sisters by about 10 years. And so that's how Mormonism got its start, is through spirit communication, but again, through a higher level being. And then the Fox sisters came along, which sparked a movement called spiritualism that eventually evolved into the religion of spiritualism. And then the third religion is Christian scientist, which was Mary Baker Eddy, and yes. she she was originally a spiritualist, and she broke off and established her own religion called Christian Scientist. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. So those are the three American-born religions, and they all happened right in that time period, the 1830s, 40s, and 50s. So then, with spiritualism, then we move into a time period of the Great Wars, World War I especially, and that's when spiritualism really blossomed and grew because we had a lot of people dying in the flu epidemic and we had a lot of people dying in the war, in World War I. And so people wanted to reassurance and wanted to hear from their loved ones. So mediumship really blossomed in that age, and we see a shift from physical mediumship in the 1850s or so to mental mediumship and trance mediumship, where the spirit speaks directly through the medium using the medium's voice box and speaks directly through the medium. And so we see that shift as we get into the early 20th century. Then as the wars are out of the way, 1940s, the end of World War II, we're in recovery, everybody's happy in the 1950s. It wasn't as important to hear from your loved ones on the other side. And so then we start to see in the 1960s with the hippies and the sexual revolution. And the, uh, during that time, we also had a lot of rioting. We had the civil rights movement. We had the women's movement start to gain hold in the 60s and 70s. And my theory is the reason psychics took off, the New Age movement took off during that time period is because people were less stable in their everyday lives. They weren't as concerned about the afterlife. They were more concerned about what's going to happen today. Hmm. And the more unstable society is, the more, I believe, psychics 
are needed because people want to know about their unstable lives. And even today, where it's very unsettled in America right now, I imagine psychics are getting a lot more calls than mediums are because people need that reassurance that everything is going to be okay. Sure. Sharon, you've done a lot of work in the last few years. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And then now learning mediumship, you got into your circle and from there you started. Well, actually, before the circle, while I was looking for the circle, um, because I didn't have anyone to practice on, through genealogy, I have friends all over the country. So I sent emails to a couple of friends and said and told them what I was doing. These are friends that I knew would be open to mm -hmm. what I was doing. And I said, I need people to practice on. I, I'm not going to charge for it. I want to do it over the telephone, mainly because here in Salt Lake City, I wasn't sure how well it would be received anyway. Yes. But I did 100 free telephone readings as my own spirit internship. Wow. And so, yeah, and, you know, word caught on because you have the word free in there and everybody starts calling you. Sharon, I hate to interrupt you, but we need to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll find out about these hundred people you did free medium readings on. Wow. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About $6 million. Approximately $11 million. Nearly $10 million was all gone. Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. Is she breathing right now? Yes, she's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. 
Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are happy to announce that our Coast to Coast AM official YouTube channel has now reached over 300,000 subscribers. You can listen to the first hour of recent and past shows for free. So head on over to the coasttocoastam.com website and hit the YouTube icon at the top of the page. This is free show audio, so don't wait. coasttocoastam.com is where you want to be. The Coast to Coast AM mobile app is here and waiting for you right now. And with the app, you can hear classic shows from the past seven years, listen to the current live show, and get access to the Art Bell Vault where you can listen to uninterrupted audio. Head on over to the coasttocoastam.com website. We have a handy video guide to help you get the most out of your mobile app usage. All the info is waiting for you now at coasttocoastam.com. That's coasttocoastam.com. Looking for that certain someone who shares your interests in UFOs, ghosts, Bigfoot, conspiracy theories, and the paranormal? Look no further than ParanormalDate.com, the unique site for like-minded people. If you like the senior crowd, try ParanormalDate.com forward slash seniors to meet like-minded people that are 60 plus. It all depends on what you prefer. ParanormalDate.com is great for everyone. You can also tap into members that are 60 plus at paranormaldate.com forward slash seniors. Enjoy your search. Have some fun at paranormaldate.com. Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain, and we are with Sharon Carmack, who's a genealogist and a medium. So Sharon, how many free readings did you do before you joined a circle? I did 100 free phone readings. That was my practice. By then, I had found the circle to join, and so was practicing, because I had set the goal of 100 readings before I would start charging, and then found the circle and started attending classes and then found SNUI. Wow. Do you have a story you can remember back, maybe one of the early readings that you did, that these thoughts were coming to you and someone validated and you just went, wow. Yes. Yes. <laughs> there tell. was one. Yes, there was one and again this was early on. And I, I, oh, it took me probably oh my gosh, a, a half hour just to bring through one spirit link. I was terribly slow back then because I really didn't know what I was doing. I was just spirit and self-taught. So I'm chatting with this lady and giving her information about her father and everything else and I said all of a sudden I heard the word socket. S-O-C-K-E-T. And I told her that because I had read enough to know you give everything you get, no matter how bizarre it feels to you. And so I said, I just heard the word socket. I said, does that make any sense to you? And oh, my God, she laughed and then started crying. And I thought, how on earth can that word cause an emotional reaction? Well, what had happened is her her father was uh, an Italian immigrant, and he was an electrician. And he sent her as a little girl to the hardware store to get socket breakers, not knowing that the correct term was circuit breakers. And she went to the hardware store and asked for socket breakers, and they made fun of her. Oh. And she came home and told her father about that. And it became the running joke in the family about the socket breakers. <laughs> and so that was validation. I mean, where would I get that word from? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so that was validation for her that it was indeed her father. Wow. You continue to be a medium mm-hmm. along with everything else you're up to, right? You get yes. You still do phone readings now for pay and you work with people. Yes, I am still a professional genealogist. I also teach genealogy and family history online through Salt Lake Community College. And I also do my mediumship. 
spirit uses mediums based on their talents and abilities. And I've been not only a professional genealogist for 30 years, but also a public speaker. And I feel really drawn to do platform mediumship. Um, I haven't really had the opportunity yet to do that here in Salt Lake City. And let me just take a little sidebar here why I keep mentioning Salt Lake City. I don't know if a lot of your listeners realize, but Salt Lake City is heavily dominated by LDS members, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This is the Mormon area. We moved here, my husband and I moved here specifically for our work as genealogists because the church owns and operates what is called the Family History Library, which is the largest genealogical repository in the world. Yes, that's right. Yes. Before they started digitizing records, they had over two and a half million rolls of microfilm of millions more records from all over the world. So we moved here about eight years ago. We were in Colorado and moved here for because we were spending so much time here anyway for our clients that we decided to move here. So there's a heavy, dense Mormon population here. Which is great because they're lovely people and they open the library to everyone. There is no charge to use the library. They're digitizing these records and putting them online on familysearch.org. No charge, unlike Ancestry where you have to pay a subscription fee, on familysearch.org, there's no charge to use their records. And so it's a wonderful thing for all genealogists. Yes. Um, But... In the Mormon faith, although they do believe in talking with their ancestors and they do believe in documenting and tracing their ancestry, for them it's more of a one-way communication. You know, it's only the higher level up in the church that receive uh, communication from the spirit world, from the higher realms. Uh, Average people, you can talk to your ancestors, but you're not supposed to actually be receiving communication back, although there are some who do. And it's interesting, too, because also looking at the history of Mormonism and spiritualism, they almost merged in the late 1890s here in Salt Lake City. There was a movement to merge the two religions. But the problem was the Mormon leaders felt that if everyday people are receiving spirit communication and that spirit communication is different than what the leaders are receiving, then you're not going to have a cohesive religion. You would have members saying, well, my spirit person told me this and you're telling me that, you know, there wouldn't be a cohesive thing. And so that's why they did not merge. Mm, Yeah, I get it. Religion's a tricky thing. I grew up Catholic, but on my search, it's like I I have to come to grips with what my own truths are. Right. You know, so I I don't... Yeah, I grew up Catholic, too. And as you know, in Catholicism, you know, it's okay to talk to God. It's okay to talk to Jesus. It's okay to talk to the saints. But heaven forbid, you do not talk to grandma. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, I kind of think of this radio show, I don't want to say it's my church, but it's my community. It's other like-minded people that, and everything we talk about on this show, Sharon, some of it sounds kind of strange, you know, so I I always, you know, I'm free, but we're here to empower people. Take what works and use it. What sounds Mm -hmm. a little strange, though, toss Mm -hmm. out the window. Absolutely. Anyways, where should we go to next, talking about um, genealogy and ancestry? And uh, I know we had uh, emailed a little bit before mm-hmm. uh, this interview about healing, healing our wounds, both present day and ancestral wounds. Can you right. talk a little about that? Yeah, I really think, again, in telling our ancestors' stories, you know, if we subscribe to the belief that on the other side we have a life review and there is really no one there to judge us except ourselves, and we want to make up for the things that we did during our life here on Earth, any pain we may have caused, any disharmony we may have created, I think telling ancestors' stories and those ancestors who guide us to do that, I really think that's healing for them. And I also believe that by putting an ancestor story into historical perspective, it does that. Let me give you an example. It was very, very common during the Great Depression of 1929 and 1930 for a lot of men to commit suicide. 
They had lost everything. They didn't know how they were going to support their families. They, they just hit rock bottoms. So suicide rates were very high during the Great Depression. Okay, that was a stigma that back then. But when you and that may be a family skeleton for a lot of families. But when you put it into the historical context of the Great Depression, and that this was common, all of a sudden the stigma goes away. Because now we understand why someone took their own life because we understand that this was common, that this was part of history, that this was something. We understand our ancestors' motivations and behaviors by studying the lives of everyday people in an everyday society, the social history. Another thing that's often a stigma is abortion. And if we look back in history and realize our women ancestors did not have a reliable means of birth control. Instead, they would take herbal remedies or poisons, what we call abortifacients, to terminate a pregnancy because they may have had too many mouths to feed. Mm -hmm. They had a fear of childbirth. They were worn out from having eight or nine or ten babies. This was not a stigma then. It was common practice. So if we look at it in in historical perspective, we realize that what we are judging from our morals, from our point of view, was not that back then. And so we can understand people so much better if we understand the social history around them, their lives around them. And I feel that heals not only the ancestor to be understood, but it also heals the present generation to realize my ancestor wasn't the awful person I thought she was because she had an abortion. And in fact, a lot of people in mental institutions, well, I I don't want to say a lot, but there were many people in mental institutions, especially women, who were perfectly sane. And what happened was if their husband wanted to gain control of their property, if their husband wanted to marry someone else and divorce wasn't an option, they would commit their wives. One woman was committed because she spoke out against her minister. And so there were a lot of there were women who were committed to mental institutions who were perfectly sane, but were just outspoken or their husbands had other plans and wanted to gain control of property. And if you weren't insane when you went in, you were insane when you came out. It was horrible. And in fact, terrible. uh, It's terrible. Uh, Nellie Bly, who was an investigative reporter in the late 1800s, went undercover in a mental institution to reveal what the conditions were like and wrote a book about it. And it's just horrifying. You cannot help but feel compassion for these people and feel so much love and and so much sorrow for all they had to suffer. It's really incredible. We think of the past as having an easier uh, lifestyle. Well, to some degree they did, but to in other degrees they did not. Mm. Now, how can that be healing for us on this end? Well, as I was saying, I think it's healing for us on this end because families may have carried this family skeleton, this black sheep in the family, not talking about the person wiping them from the family history. That happened with my one of my great aunts. She ended up committing suicide by stabbing herself in the abdomen with a butcher knife and setting her hair on fire. Oh, she no. was not talked about what caused all this is she had been riding on the trolley downtown she was a large woman and she got on the trolley and hadn't grabbed hold of the strap yet and the trolley lunged forward and she fell backward and hit the back of her head and she was never right after that and it wasn't long after that that she took her life Sharon will hear more about this when we come back. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. 
She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About $6 million. Approximately $11 million. Nearly $10 million was all gone. Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich men because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Internet is an extraordinary resource that links our children to a world of information, experiences, and ideas. It can also expose them to risk. Teach your children the basic safety rules of the virtual world. Our children are everything. Do everything for them. Tests that could save your life from cancer are now available for little or no cost, thanks to the health care law called the Affordable Care Act. Let this be the year you get screening tests that can help detect cancer early when it's most treatable. Don't let concerns get in your way. Talk to a doctor or other medical professional to learn more about the best cancer testing options for you. And now more Sandra on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain, and we are with Sharon Carmack medium and genealogist. And Sharon, you were just telling us about your poor great aunt. 
after she passed, I hate to ask, but was she talked about or was she forgotten about? It was not talked about. It was swept under the rug. This poor woman had no validation after she died. And which one of us wants to die and think we won't be remembered? Right. And she left a six-year-old son and... You know, and I ended up tracing him to find out what happened to him, who took him in and everything else. It's just a family tragedy that because it was a stigma, nobody wants to acknowledge her. And so I feel that once a genealogist can understand, if I had not found the newspaper article, I wouldn't have understood why she committed suicide and could tell her story and to make it so that she's not forgotten, to make her life have meaning. It heals the family to know that there were circumstances, regardless whether it was hitting your head or bipolar or anything else, that weren't understood then but are understood now. And I think that's very healing for people today. And to know that our ancestors struggled so much and I don't know about you, Sandra, but there are certain ancestors that I just feel an especial kinship with. Mm -hmm. I'm just drawn to them. And I think it's because those ancestors want us to tell their stories and to be remembered. I've been using Ancestry.com and they have, anybody can picture a family tree. And so often in life, I feel alone. I don't have a very big family. And when I do the genealogy, so my visual is seeing all these people and Mm -hmm. then realizing that they're still around. And I want to just read a sentence that I had read from a book yesterday. It's from one of the Silver Birch books. It says, let's see, spirit is one and spirit is the God which is within all forms of being. I only wish that the veil could be lifted from your eyes and you could see the radiant beings who cooperate with you. Every difficulty is a challenge which you must meet and overcome, thus proving that the power of the spirit is stronger than the power of matter. And when I read that about the veil and putting that together with the visual of my family tree, a very healing for me to get that, you know, I'm on a path. I'm not alone. Could be invisible. Doesn't mean that that bond is any less real. Absolutely. And I'll give you another reason why it's important to research your family history. When you start researching your family history, more and more of those ancestors will come through in readings. I've had great grandparents come through that I've never met. I've had great aunts and uncles come through that I've never met. I've had grandparents who passed before I was born come through. And I'm able to identify them not only because I did the genealogical research, but I've done oral history interviews views with my family, the older generation who might have remembered these people, and gathered their stories and photographs. And so I can identify them when they come through. And it's kind of frustrating for me as a medium when I bring through through somebody and the person will dismiss it by saying, oh, I didn't know them. And it's like, but surely you heard family stories about them. You've got a photograph or something. Yes because they're not thinking like a family historian or a genealogist would. And by doing that, I've just heard from so many of them on the other side. It's just, it, it just touches my heart to know that they're, they're there. Uh, they're aware of me. They're aware of what I'm doing to preserve their stories. It's just very heartwarming. Wow. And now you've written many, many, many books. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your books? Well, I have a combination. Um, Like I said, I write family histories for clients, and I've written my own family histories, Mm -hmm. so uh, those probably aren't very interesting to people who aren't family members. But I, I have also written a lot of guidebooks. I have written the book, You Can Write Your Family History. Hey, maybe you'll know an answer to this just because I'm on okay. Ancestry and everything I can find. Are there things available going through the Salt Lake City FamilySearch.org, like newspaper articles and things like that, that I wouldn't normally find pop up on Ancestry.com? Yes, there are a lot of newspaper databases. The two I subscribe to and use that I find are pretty big are GenealogyBank.com and Newspapers.com. And those are both subscription websites. If you go to familysearch.org and look for a family 
search center near you because there are thousands of them across the world. You can use the Family Search Center and access Ancestry and other paid subscription websites for free through the Family Search Center. I love yes. it. Have you done your DNA spit test? No, I have not. Oh, interesting. Uh, I just found for myself, man, I've got fourth, fifth, sixth cousins. It's just exciting to me, this, this it is. world. Let me tell you why I have not done it. I have not done it, first of all, uh, because I've written my family history. I had a fourth cousin contact me finding my book. So they find me. Awesome. <laughs> that way. But the reason I have not done it is, believe it or not, those tests are still in their infancy. Oh. And so if you have it done today, I would have it done again in a couple of years because okay. as the database grows, you're going to find yourself connected with more and more people. And for the tests that we call deep ancestry that tell you the percentage of, you know, your this percentage Native American and this percentage African or whatever, uh-huh. again, those are still in their infancy because the databases are still not that big. Hmm. So the results you have today may be different from the results you have in two or three years. Oh, very cool. Well, I'm excited. We have just a few minutes left. What haven't I asked you that I should? Or is there any other information you want to share, get out, uh, tie into this interview? Uh, I don't want to miss anything with you because you're very valuable. Oh, thank you. Um, Well, I would like to talk about finding this fourth cousin or this fourth cousin who found me. You know, a lot of us who develop our mediumship ability late in life wonder if someone in the family also had abilities. And it was never talked about in my family. I didn't know anyone who had any kind of psychic or mediumistic abilities. So I thought I was a lone wolf. And then this fourth cousin, she bought my book and she was going to make a, a visit to our hometown in Italy, Trilizzi. And so I was sharing with her. I'd been there. I was sharing with her what to see and who to talk to and everything else. And after she came back, she wrote an essay about her trip and all the interesting signs she was receiving from what she believed was her her grandmother. And she was receiving all these signs. And I thought, wait a minute. So I emailed her and I said, are you a medium? Are you a developed meeting or developing or whatever, I said, because it sounds like we're on the same path. Normal people don't write about this kind of thing. Right. And sure enough, we were on parallel paths. We've never met. We've only conversed by phone and email, but we've both been on the same path at the same time. And her grandmother had abilities and helped coach my cousin Beth uh, through her abilities and she's really just developing them now and since recognizing my abilities I've discovered that I have cousins on my mother's side who also have abilities but prior to this no one ever talked about it so I didn't know but apparently I have it on both sides of my family oh that's awesome And I would have never found that out except through genealogy. And I know all my cousins. I mean, I literally know all my first cousins and and some of my cousins beyond that. And, you know, that's what genealogy does. Like you said, with the DNA tests and people getting in touch with you, it just opens the floodgates open to all your family and relatives. I think we want to find like-minded people that are into this. You know, when I, my beginning days of searching about life after death, I was so afraid people would think I was a weirdo. So I kept my mouth shut. And through even searching genealogy now, what you're saying is you get like-minded people within your own family, you know, that are, Mm -hmm. these people are related to you and that they're interested and gosh I know family doesn't have to be connected by blood you can have some great friends and things but to find some of these distant people that are family really enriches our lives it truly does and it makes us realize that our world is really small without all those people and once we realize that you know Beth and I, as fourth cousins, were probably just as close as if we were first cousins. We developed a very fast friendship. We have the connection with family within a couple of years. I mean, we were very fast friends because not only of our genealogical connection, but because of our mediumistic connection. And, And it does. It just broadens the world. 
to know you have family everywhere, um, whether it's fourth cousins or first cousins or 25th cousins, they're, they're everywhere. Yeah. And even there's ones that you can't even see. They're invisible That's to you, right. but they're right That's by right. your side. Oh, Sharon, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Well, they can go through my website, SharonCarmack.com or my medium website, PathwaysUp.com. Oh, any closing words or advice to the listener? Well, I would just say if you haven't researched your family history, you should. (laughs) Of course, it's not for everyone. Like I said, there seem to be people who are drawn to it more than other people, but it's addictive. So I will warn you that. And as I said before, once you start to get to know all these other ancestors, the great grandparents, the great aunts and uncles, don't be surprised if you're sitting in a circle or you have a reading and they start coming through too, just to say hello. Well, Sharon, thank you so much for being our guest today. Well, thank you, Sandra. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And to our listeners, thank you for being here. Now, here's some resources. If you go to our main page, which is wedontdie.com, you can join my email list and get a free PDF copy of my book, We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. You can also participate in our free Sunday gathering, which at the end of every very inspirational service, there is a medium reading. So you know that your loved ones have survived and so will you. In closing for today, This is Sandra Champlain. You've been listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. And if you like this episode of Shades of the Afterlife, wait until you hear the next one. Thank you for listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.